This is Scott McDamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education, bringing you another super exciting episode on adapted physical education, adapted physical activity, you know, all that great stuff in the, in the middle. Today we have some really awesome people. So I have Kathy McKay here from uh, JMU, and as well as I have some other great people from around the area that are doing great things in the world of adapted physical activity and education. So before we get started though, I'm going to have each of you just do a real quick introduction of who you are and a little bit um, about your background. Excellent. I'm Kathy McKay. I'm a professor at James Madison University. Uh, I did my doctoral research on attitudes and perceptions related to disability and disability sport. And um, I'm lucky to be using the Paralympic International Paralympic Committee's Paralympic School Day curriculum for a lot of the work that I do. Um, yeah, that's a little about me. And I'm Marie Schneider. Uh, I'm a recent James Madison University grad. Uh, Dr. Kathy McKay was my professor while I went through the program. And I first came in contact with um, Paralympic sport when I was a junior at JMU at one of her Paralympic school days that she hosted here at JMU. And uh, my name is Brandon Rush. Um, I'm a peer advocate uh, that works at a Center for Independent Living named the Independent Resource Center. I've uh, been there for about 13 years. I'm also the captain of the Charlottesville Cardinals wheelchair basketball team. And I also am part of the coaching staff for the Sportable Junior Spokes wheelchair basketball team based in Richmond. Awesome. And I know we'll also, we might have a Mark coming in in a little uh, bit. Can someone give me a quick rundown on Mark? Yeah, Mark Arrington is a physical education and health teacher at Madison County High School. And he's also the, on the uh, Vapor Virginia Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation and Dance. He's on the Vapor um, Leadership Board. Um, and uh, Mark, go to college, do we know? So <laughs> we're here today and I'm excited about our conversation. We're gonna talk about Paralympic days. And I believe we're, and you all are the experts on this. You're gonna tell me, about it, but I believe that Paralympic days are somewhat um, a way to replace the traditional quote unquote disability awareness days. Um, and so real quick, let's like in, in each of your perspectives, like what is a Paralympic school day? Because that's what we're here to talk about. Um, define it for me. What is a Paralympic school day? Paralympic School Day is a disability awareness and education program created to raise awareness and provide a platform for attitude change. And the specific day that, that we use and then modify and adapt is from the International Paralympic Committee, um, where they have a curriculum that's uh, written and available online and research uh, has some research conducted on it that's designed to increase awareness and understanding of disability and disability sport. But one of the cool things about Paralympic School Day um, or the curriculum is that it includes working, it includes the uh, athletes with disabilities, be it Paralympians or national wheelchair basketball players or um, local sport clubs. So it's not just about teachers or um, grad students like leading an awareness activity. It's about um, Paralympians and sport club members, adaptive sport club members, or national electric basketball players. It's, it's bringing in the actual athletes to be the leaders and the facilitators of the program so that contact is present. Well, Kent, Brandon, um, 
Now you are a, uh, a wheelchair athlete as well as a peer advocate and so you're not um, a traditional teacher or anything like that within the schools. What is your perspective of what a Paralympic Day is um, for when you go into school? Well, um, I've been doing something similar to Paralympic Skill Labs for a long time now. It's just that it's grown to the point where there's an actual name that's been put with it, and that's awesome. Um, but being that I've been in and out of these schools several times from my experience, I've learned that we've become the highlight of the school year. Um, like the actual event is something that the kids ask about. It's something that the kids look forward to doing. And even the kids that have never done it before, I've heard about it from the other kids that have done it previously. And, um, and I feel that's pretty big. Um, one, to grow um, the sport and to grow uh, knowledge about things that people with disabilities are out there doing and capable of doing. Very cool, yeah. So the kids are actually excited. I used to do, um, I used to bring in beat baseball to my general PE class, and I always found it to be like the, the most, uh, yeah, the kids' favorite day of the year, uh, which was surprising, but also kind of like, yeah, like it's its own thing, like it's exciting, and it, it highlights the strengths. So, okay, let's talk a little bit, and Brandon, you said you've been doing this for a number of years. So how did this initially come about? Uh, what was the idea behind starting a Paralympic Day at the schools? Um, well, I've been in contact with Kathy um, for several years now, um, and it's kind of been something that's developed uh, through her. Um, I, at my job, we just call it um, advocacy work. Um, we just say that we're you know, out advocating for people with disabilities or whatever, so we never really you know, labeled it as Paralympic Skill Lab Day. Um, but it's always just been a way for us to go out into the community and let people know that we're a program that existed. Um, and now it's just, it's grown to the point where it's something that deserves to be implemented into the school systems. Um, and that's been cool to see that happen. From going from us actually, you know, knocking on doors and calling up schools and asking them, do you mind if we come in and talk to the kids? To them actually reaching out to find us and contacting us and asking us to come do these things. It's pretty cool to see that development. And I think it's what you're going to notice over this like podcast is you'll hear us refer to uh, this kind of a these activities in a number of different ways that there's the actual Paralympic School Day curriculum, right? And that's on the IPC's website. You can download the different cards and it's all based on contact theory. And then you can modify that for college students or for adults. And, what, and so we call that Paralympic Skill Lab, which is just a name we made up that that kind of parlays it off of that Paralympic School Day curriculum. But then there's also just the idea of doing uh, Paralympic education or disability sport education in the schools. And that doesn't necessarily follow the curriculum word for word, but it's the exact same premise. And it's what, like Brandon said, he's been doing for years, but that idea of, of giving it a theoretical basis. So like this actually has a theory behind it, contact theory, and then, and then, making sure that it combines developmentally appropriate practices so that when we go into the gymnasiums, we're not having a lot of student wait time or we're not having um, uh, elimination games, you know? So when we put a little bit of quality physical education, you know, practices into, yeah. then it ends up kind of combining it all to this 
awesome program. So, but you'll hear us refer to it in those different things, whether it's a Paralympic day, Paralympic school day, Paralympic skill lab, or just basic uh, disability awareness and education. But I think the key is that we're not just um, doing demonstrations. The, the key is that the students are participating alongside the athletes with the athletes in leadership roles and everyone is collaborating and learning together. Run me through like what a, like when you come to the school, like what is it like, what does it look like? What sports are you usually playing? Like what is the skill development kind of look like? Um, run me through like what the day looks like or lesson looks like. For a PSD? Yeah. Yeah. So um, for the day we had at Madison County, um, we had set up in stations. I guess it depended on which class um, mm -hmm. on sizes. So if there were stations, there'd be a station working on throwing. So just, or passing and then a station on shooting. And then at the end, we come together and students get to play games. Um, everything is led by the athletes. Um, the teachers are more just facilitators and helping collecting basketballs. Um, and in that example, that we worked just with wheelchair basketball for most of that day, which was a great way to really get the students like in depth in wheelchair basketball. And then sitting volleyball is another one that is easy to implement in a school setting because you don't need specialized equipment for sitting volleyball. And so if there's a space, if the space allows to be able to have a couple of wheelchair basketball stations and like a sitting volleyball station, for example, um, then that's another really great activity to add. You know, and goal, we've added goal ball in a couple of our days and that's also been um, really rewarding. So like if you, if you use the curriculum from kind of starting from the ground up, but the, the Paralympic School Day curriculum based on what the International Paralympic Committee has published is it's based off of Paralympic values that are in four categories. And, and those represent those values of the Paralympics. So it's like respect for sporting achievement, uh, respect and acceptance of individual differences, sport as a human right, and then empowerment and social support. And ultimately you can choose which of those stations which of those station cards or which of the curricular cards, I think there's um, about 20 in the curriculum. Um, you can choose which of those work for you, which of those work for your setting, the space that you have allowed, the athletes you might be able to reach out to to bring in and then design your day from there. So what we love about the curriculum is like, you can use it from the ground up in terms of picking which ones work best for you, contact athletes that work best for you, um, and, and going with the equipment that you have, the people that you have, the space that you have uh, to make it the best day possible for the setting that you're in. I was gonna ask you a little bit about equipment. So like, we'll, you know, I find sitting volleyball to be one of the easiest games that we can play, right? Because you don't really need everything. Every, every PE teacher is gonna have the equipment to do that game, right? But you got wheelchair basketball, and then you have, you know, all the chairs that you need. And I don't even know if you're bringing in sport chairs or just regular, but like, where are you getting all of those? Uh, where are you getting that equipment from? Well, as far as our program goes, uh, the Charlottesville Cardinals is actually about to celebrate our 40th year anniversary. Congrats. In those 40 years, we've accumulated about 15 extra basketball chairs over the years um, that we've hold, held on to. And um, we fix them up and make sure they're still running and things. So we have a big trailer. So we travel around with those to the schools and we have those to use. Um, so luckily we have a program that's been around long enough um, to have acquired things like that. Um, but GMU here has acquired 10 chairs also, um, if you want to talk about that. 
Yeah, JMU has chairs, and thus far we haven't been able to loan them out, but we can bring programs in, which is useful. A number of colleges and universities have chairs. Georgia State, I believe, has acquired a bunch of chairs. Old Dominion, um, Justin Hagel at Old Dominion, Deb Shapira at Georgia State. You know, so there's, and those are just two that I happen to be associated with or know about, but I think there's a lot of universities that have chairs. And then there's a number of, of teams um, up on Long Island. Um, the wheelchair basketball team there has a handful of chairs that the Cardinals having like about 15 is unbelievable because that really gives schools the ability to um, ha have some really great wheelchair basketball practice when you have 15 chairs. It's definitely finding the chairs or finding a team that's willing to travel to you from a teacher standpoint. That's the trickiest part for sure if you want to do wheelchair basketball. Um, but there are other activities like sitting volleyball, um, goal ball. You know, there's a number of others that that you wouldn't necessarily need as much equipment and could still be just as impactful. And they, the Paralympic School Day curriculum will have like athlete story where maybe there's a really dynamic Paralympian, maybe they're a swimmer. And so you're not necessarily gonna put all your students in a pool, but um, if, that, uh, if that athlete can talk about their story, um, their Paralympic journey and, and or their physical education or adaptive peak experiences or, or even talk about what it's like to go to the games and all of that cool stuff, you know, so there's different ways to, to uh, implement the curriculum without having tons of equipment. So again, it's just looking to find those ones that are going to be educational and, and motivating for the students you're working with, um, but obviously having chairs is a, a bonus and really just comes down to teachers seeking out what's around them. Um, the sportable spokes of Richmond, for example, they don't have like a trailer of 15 chairs, but they do um, have chairs and they take those around to, to a couple of different schools to do education. So it's happening more, I think, than we think it's happening. It's just a matter of, of committing to finding the equipment that you need. Definitely, definitely. No, and, I, and that's always gonna be an issue. Um, you know, and we always have to see in some universities, like you said, I mean, when I was at Texas Women's, Ron Davis had about 45 really nice chairs, so we were, you know, but at now at the university I'm at now, we have two. Um, so, you know, it, it does depend and then where you're at, but, you know, and obviously all the other things that you're looking for, you know, um, making connections, networking, that's probably the way to find all that stuff. That's really great that you're bringing all that stuff there. So, okay, I want to talk a little bit about, I want to compare this, this, this model a little bit. So, when I went to school, I never did this, but when I was in school uh, as a student, we used to have disability awareness days that I remember, and they would um, put goggles on us and make us blind. They put us in wheelchairs or give us crutches, and we'd walk around. Um, when I was 12, to be honest, what I remember probably is um, make you know making jokes or something like that or being silly and and with my friends. Um, so I kind of wonder, like, is this, how does this differ from that tip, from that, in my mind, a traditional disability awareness day? So, yeah, what you're describing sounds very similar to simulations, right? And, and we know uh, there's a lot of information out there on simulations that, that uh, or a lot of research on simulations that um, would indicate that they're not effective and that they do end up um, causing the giggles, right? Causing it more to be a, something that's a spectacle or sometimes can be humorous um, than something that actually allows you to have a, a true perception change or a shift in attitude based on the experiences um, that 
that came about from that activity. So I think that's where contact theory comes into play, that, that actually having contact with athletes with disabilities, getting to know them on a human level, and even if it's a matter of a 10-year-old student and a 25-year-old athlete, ideally we want equal status to come about from these days. And where they're getting to know the athletes, they're getting to hear a little bit about their story. And so equal status may not be an age, right? Like that if Brandon's at a school and, you know, has a, an, an, well, I mean, he's not that old, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, out of school, like that I've had some folks say to me, you know, how are you really thinking you're getting equal status here? Like if these are middle school students and then your athletes are in their twenties or late teens or even early thirties. And um, my point and that I think I've gotten some people to buy into at this point is that the equal status comes about from a disability standpoint. So not having negative perceptions or believing that the individuals with disabilities are somehow less than it's that whole ableism concept, right? That, that I'm not going for equal status in age and I'm not even going for equal status in Paralympian status, right? That if a Paralympian comes in, you know, that some would say, well, those middle school students are never going to be as a Paralympian status, right? They're never going to be equal to a Paralympian because Paralympians are like representing Team USA all across the nation. But the goal isn't to hit that equal status. The goal is so that that those individuals without disabilities see that individual with the disability as equal and that some of those preconceived notions related to ableism, some of those can dissipate from that one-on-one -on -one contact. So different than a simulation where you end up giggling, if I'm one-on-one -on -one with Brandon and some other members from the Cardinals, I'm not giggling. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking, oh, I, I can roll backwards in this chair or, you know, look, I can't walk straight in these goggles. Like, no, I'm like, hey man, what's it like to play? What, what's it like to travel around the East Coast and travel around the, the nation to, to be in these wheelchair basketball tournaments? You know, what's it like to go to the Olympics? Like, I'm gonna actually have real conversations with them um, and, and not have it be something that ends up being funny. Yeah, when you, when you add an actual person into the whole situation, instead of having that simulation type situation, it changes things because a lot of times it, it makes it more real to let someone know that you know, hey, maybe this person might have been in the same situation where I am. This person might have been just two years ago walking around on their, you know, two feet, just as able-bodied as they want to be, and now they're, you know, well, they're in a wheelchair playing wheelchair basketball, um, but they're still happy. They're still smiling. They're still beating up on me, and I can walk. You know? <laughs> so it's situations like that that um, that really help out having an actual human aspect to have a person there, whether it be a Paralympian or a local athlete. And I've done some of the traditional days of which you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And usually we have like a task sheet that we're working through at different stations with walking around with the goggles on or using a person to guide us through a building. Um, and for us, it has been typically, you're just trying to get through your checklist. You're not asking questions, you're not learning and you're not engaged. It is just fun with your friends. Um, but whereas when we add in the actual athlete, students are asking questions, they are engaged and they're like genuinely excited to be there and be participating with these athletes. They ask the questions you can't get answers to in textbooks. <laughs> well, I, you know, I find those simulations to be very, um, deficit kind of heavy or like, kind of like we're supposed to focus on the deficit. And I find like, I think like, the ideas that you're supposed to walk away with this, like those poor things kind of thing versus like what you're talking about as a strength based kind of model where we're going to highlight strengths of people. 
um, which I, that's, I was really excited to have you all on because I, 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 uh, I think about those disability awareness days and I, I think I went through many of them when I was coming up in school and I really think they really like instill negative um, beliefs in a lot of us or, or, you know, negative or just low, low expectations or something. Um, so I think it's really cool what you all are doing um, and advocating for and actually putting into practice. So I think that's, you know, you're all doing some really awesome stuff. So let's talk now a little bit about the students. So how do you think that like this impacts students with and without disabilities when you go to the schools and you implement these school days? So it's, it's really great. So what we know, what, what we kind of know about uh, students who are learning about um, individuals who are different than themselves. Like we know that, that we can look at attitudes and we see that, uh, that to be, to have a successful inclusion in physical education or really successful inclusion in life, um, you need to understand uh, those who you're working with. And, and if those are those folks are different than you, then that's okay. You need to come to know and understand um, people around you who, who may be different. And so by doing some education about, uh, disability in this case, uh, it, it allows some of those preconceived notions to to uh, to dissipate, to go away. And so we found that students, like in some of the uh, qualitative data that we've collected, but really then just in some conversations about how this day go or what we hear these students saying when they're actually working one on one, it's mind blowing. I mean, they they're just whether it's a forty five minute PE class, a ninety minute PE class, or or um, a, like a three hour experience where they're rotating throughout a number of stations, like all these different types of Paralympic school day activities that I've been a part of, the students come away um, just with truly transformed in terms of having a completely changed perspective or changed uh, thoughts on disability and on individuals with disabilities. Yeah, um, a quote that sticks out to me at the end of the day, I don't know if you all remember this, but, um, it was a sophomore student. She, we asked, you know, if they, what their thoughts were on the, on the whole day. And she said, they're just as cool as us. <laughs> and that was just so cool. She just, she's never been exposed and had authentic interaction with an individual with disability. And so for her, it was just an eye-opening experience of this is another human. I'm a human. We're the same. Um, and without this day, she hasn't experienced that. Yeah, we see them, we hear, we hear them say, or, you know, we've, we've done some cool, like where we'll have them do reflective essays afterwards, or we'll have them, uh, you know, be in a focus group afterwards, just so we can uh, see what was the true impact of this day. And we hear them say things like, um, you know, Paralympic School Day changed the way I thought about disabled people. I no longer think they're different. Now I think they're just like us. They have talents. Um, that just like us theme we see come into our work a lot in terms of just having a completely preconceived notion that um, we were able to break down that barrier. Yeah. Another one of my favorites was um, a student said something along the lines of individuals with disabilities don't act how they're portrayed to, as in media and things they've seen. And to once again, just see another human face to face. Yeah, and sometimes they're surprised that individuals were born able-bodied and then um, ended up with a disability that, and, and that for somehow we just assume that you must have been born that way, that you maybe weren't 
able-bodied to begin with. That, that again, just these preconceived notions. And I know Brandon oftentimes during his presentations or in the interactions during our Paralympic school days or skill labs will say to the students, you know, I, I came into this world walking on two feet. I, I've uh, had a biking accident, a mountain biking accident as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and students usually, even then you see their eyes widen like, Oh, you know, that, that, cause there's just this from, for some reason we assume that uh, an individual in a wheelchair perhaps has always been in a wheelchair. And that's not the case. Yeah. What, um, what ages are you starting at? Like how young uh, of grades and such are you starting this program with? So the curriculum specifically, I believe the, the actual Paralympic cur- school day curriculum says six to 16. I have to fact check that. It might be eight to 16. But I think it's six to 16. But it also says it, it has a, a nice differentiation category for adult learners. And so as such, like I've used it 18 to 25 um, at the college level with some traditional and non-traditional college and university students, and it works just fine. So, and then we've also found teachers and administrators to come in and take part, and they're having just as much fun and learning just as much as uh, teenagers or elementary school, middle school, high school students. So I kind of feel like it's um, pretty open-ended in terms of the ages, but you know, if you were to do it in an elementary school, then you definitely would use the pieces of the curriculum that work great with elementary school students and the curriculum specifically will talk to you about the best way to offer this to elementary school students versus say middle school students versus high school students or adults. Um, our, most of our, I think I can speak for all of us experiences are with middle school, high school and, and universities. Um, although I, I did a bit of it um, when I was up in New York city with uh, elementary school students and that worked really well as well as well. Yeah, I think that would be interesting to look at elementary. I think it would, you know, my teaching experience, mostly middle school, high school, it's a very different group where you can talk to them, um, you know, have a conversation more sometimes, a deeper conversation from my experience. But in elementary, you know, I think if we were able to push some of the programs that you're talking about in there, it might, you know, um, help maybe not even ever come up with those negative, uh, you know, perceptions and such. Um, that some people have if we're getting to them at six years old. And I actually misspoke. Um, I'm so sorry, Brandon. Brandon's been in elementary schools like for the past few years, hands on. So it was really cool. We, I, did a, I did a session at an institute um, in Virginia, had a few teachers attending just about how do you offer a Paralympic school day? Um, how do you use this curriculum? And one of the attendees that was there was the adaptive physical educator for all of Charlottesville City Public Schools at the time, uh, Gail Fellner. She's a uh, rock star human. She's since retired, but she came to my session and she said, I'm going to reach out to the Cardinals and I'm going to bring this to all of the elementary schools in my uh, city. And she did exactly that. It took her about a year to get it all planned and get everybody on board. Um, but then it was really awesome to watch the social media of the Cardinals at all of these elementary schools. So Brandon, like you've, so you've seen this one-on-one at elementary schools a lot. So yeah, tell us about that. Cause I, I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. Oh, no, that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of experience in elementary schools and working with the younger kids. I can honestly tell you that there probably is no age limit. Um, there's been times when we've been in elementary school and you know the actual school has preschool there also. Um, so you know we'll have a break where we'll have like an hour, maybe two hours where we're not doing anything, 
And just so happens the preschoolers might walk by. I'm like, hey, well, bring the preschoolers in if y'all aren't doing anything. So we have these little itty bitty little kids in the <laughs> chairs and none of their feet touch footrest and they can barely touch the wheel sometimes, but they're in the chairs and they're experiencing, you know, pushing a wheelchair around. And we let them hold the basketballs. They have absolutely no chance of making any shots, but they <laughs> always give it a try. So they'll throw the ball up a couple times and then it just turns into a big game of tag. Um, but it's just introducing them into to people with disabilities and introducing them to using wheelchairs and knowing that someone being in a wheelchair isn't you know contagious or the person isn't going to hurt them or whatever it may be, um, and giving them the opportunity to just be kids and play around and stuff and, and be able to ask the questions because you know the questions don't don't start until they start talking and once they start talking, they never stop. So. Hey, um, another, okay, so we talked a lot about people or kids without disabilities and the impact of this program. What about kids with disabilities when you go into these programs? What is that like for them? One of the biggest joys for me and one of the, um, one of the times when I feel the most accomplished is when I know I left the school and there's a child there that has some form of disability that made a new friend that day um, just from being part of what we were doing there. Um, because a lot of times kids don't get an opportunity to fully play alongside with their peers if they have a disability. Um, so when you grab everybody and put them in a wheelchair and they're all playing wheelchair basketball and they're all at that same level, that kid gets a whole new respect level. And to see that kid you know, raise their head up higher and see more people come to them with the pats on the backs and the big smiles and and just know that they made a couple more friends that day because I was able to show them that the potential of this person doesn't have a limit. Um, that's one of the big things that, that really makes me happy about doing the work that we do. And when we um, recently have held one at a high school, where you did some individual conversations with the individuals, the students with physical disabilities who who were there, what, what were some of the things they said? Uh, yeah. um, so they um, they were really excited that they got to participate in this. Um, two students were actually middle schoolers. That, the middle school is right next to the high school. So they allowed the two middle schoolers to come up and participate with the high schoolers. And, I mean, one of the girls, she was weaving in and out of all the high schoolers. She was <laughs> smacking the ball out of high school boys' seniors' hands. And she's in, like, seventh grade. And you could just see her glowing. And so for them to – be an equal part in the class and then if not excel and be the best in the class whereas before they're just trying to keep up and now all of a sudden everybody's trying to keep up with them there's a day they won't forget yeah we we i think while we were there at this school and these two middle school students came over who are both in wheelchairs and they were playing with the playing with the high school students but we were taking a group photo at the end and i don't remember if it was a teacher or an administrator one of us maybe a minute mark it pointed out like and they they're in a photo and everyone is like them in the photo right because we were all in the sport chairs taking just a group celebration photo at the end and for those two middle school students happen to be wheelchair users like it, uh, there was a teacher that pointed out like they are always the ones that are sitting in a chair in the photos everybody else is standing up and look now because we're doing a wheelchair basketball activity everyone's equal. Everyone is sitting down together. It was just this like profound moment where it's little things like that. I don't know that we always think about from the viewpoint of the students with physical disabilities in our classes. And 
and I, I think from all the, the students I've worked with, with, with physical disabilities, one of the challenges that they face all throughout school is that their classmates and peers, A, don't understand that they don't also have an intellectual disability, or B, don't understand why they are integrated into classes with them and not in the quote special classes, right? And so that we want to we want to get rid of that stigma. And it's harder in America, especially I think, because we associate the Paralympics and the Special Olympics very much as synonymous and they're not. And they both advocate for sport for all, which is huge. Um, but I would say that a lot of times individuals with physical disabilities who are playing Paralympic sports or disability sport, they appreciate that they are not grouped together with the Special Olympics, that, that they actually have their own type of sport that, that they're advocating for. And so for students to understand that there is a difference and uh, that, that's, that's huge. And I think we see that from the students that we work with, with and without disabilities in these schools. So all the students or in that picture, everybody was sitting in chairs. When I interviewed the students, um, that was something that kept coming up was they just enjoyed the fact that the other students in the class were literally on their level. That the first time they could, everybody could look them in the eye and they weren't looking up. And the funny thing is, is it's also not just students with disabilities. It's some of the less athletic students also. <laughs> yeah, right. um, there's a lot of students out there that just aren't athletic at all. And just when you put them all on the same level in the chair and can't nobody make a shot. <laughs> Everybody's looking like they're not very good at what they're doing. Then it makes everybody a, a, a lot more on the same level. I've seen that several times too. Absolutely. And like, you know, in PE in general, I think a lot of times we advocate for novel sports um, because then you're leveling the playing field. So why not use some of that also, um, you know, hit different social cultural, like, you know, areas as well, you know, because like kinball or something like that's a popular sport, which is a non-traditional sport. And it's the same idea. Um, no, okay. I want to, I want to hit on that whole Paralympic versus Special Olympics thing. Um, and I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't av avoid controversial questions on here. So, but, okay, so I'm hearing a lot of physical disability in your conversation. I think you're even making a conscious uh, decision to kind of like say this is, you know, trying to alleviate um, or, you know, the, our biases towards people with physical disabilities. And what about people with like different, like intellectual disabilities or sensory disabilities? Um, you know, I think it's positive that you're doing this, obviously, but like, how do we, does the, in any way, does this program also try to um, do some awareness around those disabilities? And if not, you know, is that something that we could try to strive for more? So it's interesting, you know, the Paralympic school day curriculum, because it's connected around Paralympic sports, so it does include sensory impairments in terms of visual impairments, um, but it, it, and there, there are, um, a couple of Paralympic sports that connect with intellectual um, disabilities as well. But I think for the most part, the Paralympic School Day curriculum ultimately is looking at respect and acceptance of individual differences, whatever those differences may be, um, and sport as a human right for any type of human rights, right? Like that's gonna connect across all types of ability and disability. And then the idea of empowerment in sport. And so if those are, are Paralympic values, I think those are also good human values, right? That, with, that connect to all types of ability and disability. Um, but I do think that there is a slight difference in the Paralympic school day curriculum or in advocating for, um, for disability sport, I 
I think that we are specifically looking at uh, sensory and or physical disabilities in terms of how we're advocating. And I think there's a few other programs that exist that advocate for um, uh, knowledge about and support of the Special Olympics and or um, like inclusion programs like I can do it, you can do it, that we can see that are advocating across the board. Um, but this does, Paralympic School Day is specifically um, advocating for those attitudes and perceptions towards disability sport and Paralympic sports. So by definition, there is a little bit of a line there. Um, but I think if we can change attitudes or perception towards individuals who are different than us in general, that can hit a lot of different categories. Have you uh, done anything with BASHA since that's been a, uh, a sport that's been more geared towards people with multiple severe disabilities and has also gotten a lot of press in the last uh, Paralympics? Uh, you know, I have not, but there are, there is a, a BACHA um, card in the Paralympic school, school Day curriculum that has like 20 different activity cards and um, one of them does relate, at least one of them relates to BACHA. I just, you know, my, my personal experience is that, you know, and I don't think we've, uh, whatever, that we're exceptional at dispelling, you know, stereotypes about people with physical disabilities, but sometimes I feel like um, I think we really struggle when it comes to people with intellectual disabilities and such and how to destigmatize those things. Um, and so from my perspective, I would like to see how do we do, how do we do both, you know? And like you said, in, even though we, we make a conscious decision to discuss Paralympics and Special Olympics separately, Paralympics does include sports for people with intellectual disabilities as well, um, which we also should make note of, you know? Right. You know, and it's interesting, like one, one, of, the, one of the first Paralympic school days I did, um, we had a, a station in the curriculum, it's called a fairy tale, and it's, it's looking to dispel some of those preconceived, nation, preconceived notions or have the students start to pick apart the term, quote unquote, normal. And what is normal? What's that mean to us? And I've, I've executed that same station at the college level as well, just with a little bit of changes, so it's not like a fairy tale, because that's a little more based for elementary or middle school students. But what we find that students are saying is like they'll say things like to me normal means being able to walk and do everyday normal things but after meeting these athletes I think they're normal or like normal means you're a person whether you're disabled or not like it so it's interesting for students to say and even one of them talked about like you know I have what normal means to me based on what my parents taught me versus now I understand normal might mean so many different things so I feel like when you look at like quotes like that or you see have these conversations with students um, that that idealized notion of normal, that connects to all, all differences, right? And so in that sense, I think a day like this does start to inform perceptions about individuals with Down syndrome or individuals with autism or any, any type of disability. I, I, I think it connects and expands, even though its main focus is physical disabilities or um, kind of those disabilities that you see as qualifiers for the Paralympic Games. Well, and the students are like, through the reflections we're seeing they're having these aha moments of you know reimagining what normal means um which is leading them to ask more questions and think about things deeper and i think that goes along with what dr mckay is saying about that then they can expand that to just all differences yeah so let's i'm going to ask you all kind of uh, and sorry for that tough or that, that <laughs> tough question but um so I, let's, we're going to wrap this up. I want to kind of know your thoughts on how, what is the future of this curriculum? Uh, how are you trying to get it into more schools or are you trying to get more schools? Like what is, 
your future plans and what is the future plans of the curriculum in general? You know, I, I feel like I try to shout from the rooftops about this curriculum at every conference I attend or through the research that I do, just because I believe it's really powerful and, and not hard to implement. And it offers these connections with these Paralympic sport clubs, disability sport organizations, uh, national wheelchair basketball teams. I mean, there's, let alone Paralympic athletes, like there's just so many awesome connections that come out of it. So, you know, I, I know here on the East Coast and Virginia in particular, but really we, we've expanded out into Maryland, um, gone up to Pennsylvania. I mean, there's been a few different things uh, that the Cardinals and I have kind of tried to connect to. So we're just trying to continue to talk to teachers and um, talk to adaptive PE teachers, to physical education teachers, to administrators, to understand the power of this day and all of the different levels of how you can implement it, whether it's a full school event, whether it's an assembly format, um, or whether it's a, just a couple of uh, days embedded into the physical, edu physical education curriculum that, you know, our, I think our dream is that we see that paradigm shift for everyone, that we can start to change those attitudes and perceptions and shift the par paradigm through disability. And what a different world we live in than if everyone is viewed on a much more equal status. Um, so we keep fighting the good fight in terms of like doing these presentations and trying to make sure as many people understand this exists as possible. Hey, and Scott, Mark just came in. So Hi, Mark. to offer, um, uh, oh, I, I, I dropped the camera on. Yeah, there you go. Hey, um, but yeah, so he might be able to offer a kind of teacher view or just uh, what it meant to his school or what it meant. Yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah, why don't you give us a, a quick overview? We're kind of wrapping up now, but um, why don't you give us a quick overview of kind of like what a Paralympic Day has meant to you and your school, what it, like, you know, how you've rolled it out and where you see it going? Um, I guess from my perspective, I'm, I'm going to give all credit to Marie. She, she really set that up on the front end. Uh, but what amazed me about that was walking around the school afterwards. Uh, because getting everything set up, meeting with the principal, making sure everything was, was done properly, um, that was part of that experience. But afterwards, walking around, and instead of hearing, you know, what rumors were going around on Snapchat that day, <laughs> kids were asking, hey, did you see what was going on at the gym today? And, and that was a big buzz around the school. And, and it was just a positive vibe. Um, and it's not something that we get every day in, in a school environment. Um, one of the young men who, who was, who came up from the middle school, Brian, he, he sees me, I see him at the pool once a week, still asks me about that day. And he still asked me, are we going to do it again? Uh, and I say, hopefully. um, but it was, it was more of an, an all encompassing feeling around the school. Um, did y'all talk about the young lady at the end, her question? No, I don't um, think so. so I know at the end of every of each of these classes, they had a debrief um, and they talked to students like, what did this mean to you? And I remember this one young girl, she said, I found out y'all are cool. <laughs> and I remember Trey being, he said, yeah, I know, we're really cool. Um, and, and it broke down those barriers of students seeing a disability and it, take it, it took it to them seeing a person. And, and I think in, in our school, that was very, to me, it stood out. And that was a powerful moment. You know, it was really cool. 
in, at Mark school or uh, just a frame at Marie was student teaching with Mark and Mark was her cooperating teacher. And then we ended up having this great day there at this high school. But um, in one of the debriefs, some of the students were asking questions and one of the Paralympic athletes were, were working with us, Trey Jennifer, um, he's a member of team USA and a good friend of ours. He was there. Brandon was with us, uh, another coach and player from the Cardinals, Tom Vandeveer, but uh, Trey doesn't have legs. And so one of the students, said something about how's he drive. And so then Marie and Mark used it as a teachable moment for driver's ed because a lot of those 10th graders were also in driver's ed with Mark. And so they went out and looked at Trey's SUV. And so we just, we shifted our, at the very end of Paralympic school day, we, we shifted the lesson out to the back parking lot and they got to see his SUV and the way that it was um, set up for him to be able to successfully drive. And it's, it's like teachable moments like that, that, that students have the ability to ask questions that maybe they would have been embarrassed to ask about, or maybe they, again, would have just assumed something, oh, of course he can't drive. But I feel like at one point somebody said something about either planning this day or a different day, like, won't they all need those vans? And it was like, no, was that? Yeah. It was, I remember something about someone said that at one point. Yeah. And we were like, no, no, he drives. Like, you know, so yeah. it's just like those type of assumptions from adults, let alone from how do you set up and I know Brandon said something too about like you know once you get the kids talking they don't stop but how do you get those kids like um how do you get them to how do you make that environment for them to feel free to ask questions about things that they might be uncomfortable asking you gotta joke around more <laughs> you gotta you know I mean me personally I try to I mean, I know I'm going to be in and out of these schools so I try to, my best to try to know something about what the kids are into so if all else fails, just say something about Fortnite, <laughs> and they're, they're going to jump on it with you, you know. It's, it's, so, you know, once they understand that, hey, you play video games like me too, you know, then one person starts talking to you, then the next one starts talking to you, you know. There's always one or two students that are like, I don't know, I'm kind of, I don't want to try it, I'm, you know, I'm going to sit back and watch. Then about 10, 15 minutes into it when everybody's screaming and having a good time and laughing, they eventually, you know, make their way into the chair. Um, so, you know, it's just being there and, and being personable with the kids and, and knowing that you're not going to snap at them for asking anything. You know, I let them know right from the jump. I've heard every question there is, um, and I've answered every question there is in front of everybody, too. So don't be afraid to ask me whatever. You know, the other cool thing we've done, and we did it with Mark and Murray in, in Madison, and I've done it here at JMU, is we started to use a documentary about wheelchair basketball ahead of, of having these days and and so we're currently analyzing some of the data to see if we can put some numbers behind that this actually makes a difference but what we know from the qualitative research or just know from the conversations and the reflections is about watching the one that that we used together but then that I use a lot in the work I do is um, re the rebound which is a, a documentary on wheelchair basketball that follows the quest of the Miami Heat Wheels for a national championship. But more importantly, it follows the lives of, of three athletes and um, just their day-to-day -day experiences at home, at church, um, at work, and, and then also training and practicing and trying to get to the national championship game. And so we show that ahead of time. In, in our case, we showed a, a week ahead of time before the Cardinals and Trey came for the actual Paralympic school day. And we have found that just that little bit of, uh, even though it's a, a movie, so it doesn't, or a documentary, you know, it doesn't give contact with athletes and whatnot, but because it's a well-made documentary film that allows you to get into the lives of 
those individuals, I think that that has made a huge difference in giving students like a heads up on this exists and, and these are real people with real experiences and jobs and families. And, and then we bring in athletes to do the day. And it's like they have that baseline that I think makes a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to, let's keep going. I want to hear kind of like um, some of your thoughts on where you see this going. What is the future of this? Uh, where, where do you see this in five to 10 years? Maybe not in, in either in your school or outside of your school. Okay. Um, I can tell you after that day, um, my, the other teacher in my department, um, he's like, we, we have to keep doing this. And, and he said, this would be incredible for that short week leading up to Thanksgiving. So it was a three day week. And he said, if we brought this in and, and just, it was every year, he, he was really excited about it. And, um, he, just to see that out of him uh, was something out of his general nature from the day-to-day -day perspective. <laughs> He's stoic in a lot of things, but he was excited about that. He started seeing students who were not engaged most of the year, 100% engagement, and they were into it. Uh, so I, it didn't take much selling after we saw the product. And I think we see, even just after this one day there at Madison High School, you know, we're all active on Twitter, you know, with, in terms of professional development and, and sharing awesome things that happen. And so just from sharing some videos and some talking or some tweets about this day at Madison High School, and Marie had done some gold ball, um, a gold ball, a couple of gold ball lessons, and then we incorporated in some city volleyball, and then of course had the winter basketball. Then we had other teachers who are friends with us across Twitter, all, I think uh, all of us individually started getting messages from people, wait a minute, how can I bring this to my school? Wait, how do you do this? And so it is, um, and, and that got us talking about it on a, on a larger level in terms of this, our state association and what, can, what could we do to make this um, more uh, user-friendly or to get it out to more people in a way that works for a lot of people, which is why we continue to present about it at conferences and whatnot. But, you know, I think a lot of times people see some barriers, like how do I get athletes there? And so what they don't maybe realize is like, like the Cardinals, for example, and their trailer full of 15 wheelchairs and they're amazing players. Like they'll do this as volunteers and, and, um, and, and that's wonderful. And a lot of times it's, it's part of just the work they do for advocacy, but that if a school system has small stipends, then of course, you know, to be able to take in a little bit of a stipend or to be able to uh, donate money for gas or for food, that's great as well. And bringing in Paralympic athletes, it's the same. Some of them will volunteer and come to wherever you call upon them to go. Others of them, maybe they're a little more famous and they, they have contracts or agents or that type of thing. And so it's just a matter of outreaching to find out uh, who you'd like and who's going to best connect with your environment. Um, you know, like we were working with high school students. So to have athletes on the younger end was our goal. Um, but that doesn't always work out perfectly, but you know, maybe somebody would come just come for free or maybe your school can scramble up, you know, $250 or $500 to be able to bring somebody in who maybe has to commute from a little farther away, or maybe you have an endless budget and you can fly in some athletes. I mean, like whatever that looks like, it can be done. And, you know, I think anytime we see those barriers of space or of cost um, or of distance, we can figure out ways around that. And, you know, all four of us are happy to troubleshoot with anybody who has questions about that to be able to say, let's make this work. Let's figure out a way. Definitely. Marie, what, how do you see this uh, in your future as a teacher, since you're going to be a beginning teacher? This will be my first year teaching and I'll be out of high school and the high school that I'll be at, um, 
Brandon actually goes to the feeder school at the middle school, which is Henley Middle School, and I'll be at Western Almoral High School. Um, so I've already talked to Dr. McKay about like, what can we do with, can we do like a longitudinal study about the students when they experience it in middle school? And then by the time, maybe they'll experience it again when they get to me at the high school level. Um, but I mean, 100%, I plan to implement this program throughout my career. Um, during the day, Mark told us like several times he came up to me and he was just like, remember this day, they don't come very often. And like <laughs> when you're having a bad day, this is the kind of day you think back to that keeps you going. Um, so for me to be coming into the profession with that much positive energy and momentum behind me, I'm really excited to continue that. And I have to be ready to go back to my next presentation, but there is one other thing that, that uh, stuck out to me is I was taking pictures while this was going on to put them on Twitter uh, to advocate for this amazing thing that we got to do. Uh, but I was showing somebody uh, that wasn't in education. It was one of my friends. I was like, you got to see what we were doing in class every day. And it was a picture of four students in wheelchairs. I had to point out which student had the disability. I'm like, how many times in her educational career or life does she have to be pointed out? Because you typically point that that student is noticeable just because of the disability. But everybody, it was, it was equity <laughs> in that classroom that day. And the, that really stuck with me that I had to show which of those students had disabilities. Uh, so, I mean, there's just so much power in that day. I have to go back. Thank you for joining us. Brandon, let's end with you. How do you see this? Um, where do you see this as far as like, how is this going to look like in five years from now? How would you like to see it grow from your perspective? Well, one of the funny things is I kind of think of myself as a product of uh, Paralympic Skill Day. Um, when I was going through rehab um, as a child, um, the team came to the hospital and actually did a day very similar to Paralympic Skill Lab Day. Um, but of course, it wasn't as organized as we're getting it to be at this point now. <laughs> Um, but it was my introduction to wheelchair basketball and it gave me an opportunity to know that I could continue to be, um, you know, physical and, and have a sport that I can play and be passionate about, you know, as I continue to live with my, with my disability, um, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and I just feel like I hope that eventually this will get to a point where it's just not even thought about, it's just automatically implemented into you know, whether it be school systems or hospitals or wherever, you know, it may lead to. Um, I just want it to be something that's going to be solid and in part for the people that that really need it, you know. Um, just for it to be an opportunity and just to keep on going, keep getting bigger. And, you know, when we think about, like, the power of this day for individuals without disabilities to change their perception towards peers with disabilities, and we know that successful inclusion practice across educational settings. It, the bug climbing yeah, up. Yeah, um, sorry. We know that um, the powerful inclusion practice, practices across educational settings, we know that the attitude of the peer group is really important there, right? And so in this sense, our goal is to educate the peer group. But then I also think across these days and meeting athletes with disabilities, Paralympians, and have them like, Adam Ballou, I'm thinking of, he's a, a seven-a-side soccer player. He's an individual with cerebral palsy. And he tells a story when he's working on these days with us. He's like, I didn't even know Paralympic sport 
disability sport existed until I was a teenager and somebody said, hey, you know, you could be a, a seven-a-side soccer player and represent Team USA because he was a really good soccer player or is a really good soccer player. And, you know, so it's, it's amazing to hear about individuals with disabilities that like when Brandon and the Cardinals are in elementary schools or when he made it a point to reach out and have good individual conversations with the two students with, with disabilities who came over to our day that we hosted at Madison, like sometimes that those students will say, I didn't know anything about this. And there's a lack of education even for families and individuals with disabilities um, that if it's not being introduced in physical education and maybe it wasn't introduced through rehab or at hospital or from a pediatrician, they just may not know, right? And so like how great that we can impact attitudes of individuals without disabilities, we can impact life experiences of individuals with disabilities um, and change those perceptions across all ages of disability like that. That's our, our goal, that more inclusive, equitable atmosphere, environment. I think it sounds awesome. Well, thank you everyone for coming on the show, uh, sharing your experiences and telling us a little bit about the Paralympic Day. I hope the listeners listen in and uh, hopefully you all get some emails or uh, some requests to come on out and uh, share, share the Paralympic Day with everyone else. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thank you.